Hey listeners, I'm working on a mailbag episode where I answer your questions. So if you have anything you'd like to ask me, send me an email to sam at kitchentablemagic.org. I'll read all of your questions on air in a future episode. Thanks. Kitchen Table Magic is presented by Hipsters of the Coast. Hipsters of the Coast is the premier news and strategy blog for the Magic the Gathering community. Read up on insightful columns written by an expert team of Magic insiders. There's something for everyone. Discussion about legacy, commander, preview cards from the new set, and more. Just go to hipstersofthecoast.com for news and strategy on all of your favorite formats. That's hipstersofthecoast.com. Kitchen Table Magic is brought to you by Card Kingdom. Rivals of Ixalan previews are going on now. Who will find the city of Orozca first? Will Jace ever get his memory back? Is Blood Sun better than Blood Moon? Pre-order your Rivals of Ixalan sealed product and singles now at cardkingdom.com KTM. Rivals of Ixalan ships January 19th. Kitchen Table Magic is brought to you by Paragon City Games. They're a community-focused game store in Draper, Utah that cares deeply about their player base. Tune into their stream at twitch.tv slash paragoncitygames for daily legacy action. Welcome to Kitchen Table Magic, a storytelling podcast featuring the amazing people of the Magic the Gathering community. I'm your host, Sam Tang. Join me and my guests as we share stories about what MTG means to us, how we got started playing Magic, the ups, the downs, the hilarious stories, and everything in between. In this episode, I'm talking to veteran pro player Christian Calcano. Christian has been on the Pro Tour for over seven years and recently top-aided his first one at Pro Tour Amonkhet. His emotional response was celebrated by his team and the community as he was interviewed by Brian David Marshall. Christian shares with us about his early days playing Magic, slowly making his way to the top. Christian is an expert in Limited, and he gives us valuable advice about drafting. I caught up with Christian in the summer of 2017. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Christian Calcano. Hey everyone, thanks for joining me on Kitchen Table Magic. I'm your host, Sam Tang, and today I'm here with the wonderful Christian Calcano. Christian, how's it going? Uh, not bad, Sam. How's it going? Thanks so much for being here on the show, and where are you joining us from? Oh, I'm from New York City, and yeah, I'm at, I'm at home right now. Yeah, that's where I'm at. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, awesome. You are all the way on the East Coast, and I am joining you right now in Seattle on the Left Coast. The West Coast is the best coast, that's what they say. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, you know... For the listening audience, if you don't know, Christian is a prolific thinker, competitor of the game. You may have seen him on like almost every single Grand Prix and every single Pro Tour. And also <laughs> recently, very exciting announcement, Christian, you are playing in the upcoming world. Yeah, that's right. Uh, playing on the World Championship in Boston uh, this October. You know, pretty much 24 of the top players in the whole world and pretty excited and lucky to be one of them and i can't wait to play against everyone yeah that is so cool who are you looking forward to jamming games with at worlds um as in like which opponents i'm looking, to fa- I'm looking forward to <laughs> yes <laughs> i can't wait to play against really like just all of them like i pretty much know everyone in worlds i think I- i've played against over half the field for sure already and um you know like o- over the years like on the pro tour and stuff you know there's definitely a couple that i haven't played against before but um they're clearly there for a reason and i know that every single match and every single game is going to be pretty much demanding the best magic i possibly can play so you know i'm just looking forward to playing everyone on 
because I know that it's going to be like the highest level tournament I've ever played. So yeah, I'm just uh, looking forward to playing the best I can. That is super, super exciting, especially because it is Worlds. The best players show up, they bring their A game, there's a rigorous preparation. And I know you're going to just form a lot of new friendships and have a lot of new memories from that. But like all things, we want to start at the beginning. Christian, where did you grow up and how did you find magic? Well, I grew up uh, in uptown Manhattan, an uh, area called Inwood, which is, it's like, you know, people think of Manhattan, obviously, as like, you know, all these like huge buildings, like infinite people, et cetera, et cetera. But um, the neighborhood that I grew up in is pretty far away from all of that. You know, it's just like predominantly uh, Hispanic, black neighborhood. I had a lot of a lot of good memories there, and then I ended up moving away uh, my early teens and moved down to downtown Manhattan where I live now. And that's kind of around when I started to play Magic. I discovered it. My, I want to say my sophomore year in high school. Uh huh. What year was that? Two thousand and like the very end of two thousand and three is when I first started to play. Uh huh. Uh huh. I didn't really like, consider myself a player until the beginning of 2004, which is when Darksteel came out. Mm-hmm. I previously played uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! That's, that's how I got into just card games in general. Although I didn't really know what I was doing. But I, <laughs> you know, I just, um, like at first it started just because I watched the show and, you know, cut the cards. And like once I moved downtown and I went to high school, you know, I found other players, etc. Then I found out there was a store nearby. Went to that store, started playing there. And then, you know, I, I would always see the magic crowd, but, you know, I didn't really know much about it. And, you know, I was kind of like, uh, you know, I don't, I, I don't want to play that game or whatever. But, um, one day, just one of the guys who I knew also played magic, I just asked him, I was like, Hey, man, can you like teach me how to play magic? And he was just like, okay, sure. So then, you know, I started playing, started playing. He like let me borrow some decks, put in a couple of FNMs or two, and then, yeah, I just started to fall in love with it and, you know, it didn't take long for me to start playing competitively. I want to say like mid, mid 2004 is like when I started playing, also when I played my first Grand Prix. Then later that year, I played my first, uh, PTQ. And then after, after I saw like Julian Nauschen win Worlds in 2004, I was just like, yeah, like, you know, we're, we're going, we're going all in on this, you know, and that's kind of how that all started. That is amazing. You jumped right into competitive magic, like basically from the get go. Yeah, like that. I didn't really, I never really played casually, and I, I was always like a really competitive person in general. Like I played sports when I was younger. You know, the magic crowd, they just made me feel more welcome than my time playing baseball. So, it, you know, it didn't take long for once I started playing to, you know, have that be like my the focus of like my free time. So, you know, I'm, I'm pretty happy that I started to play because. I can't imagine like how different my life would be now if I hadn't. And it's definitely been quite the ride. Like, you know, 12, 13, yeah, like 13 years now. So, Yeah, that is so fascinating that you saw competitive magic so early on. You saw Worlds in 2004 and you were basically like locked in. You were like, that's what I'm doing. That's where I'm going. 13 years later, it's 2017. And then now you are basically on your way to Worlds. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because also like the like the winner of that Worlds that I mentioned, the 04, Julian Nelson, he was 15 or 16 at the time, which is the same age as me. And I was just like, man, like, like you know, that kid's my age. Like, I want to win $50,000 too, <laughs> you know? Christian, so you really got into competitive magic kind of early on. Could you tell the listening audience when you experienced like this noticeable level up moment in your life? <laughs> Honestly, like, I don't really know. I don't really know what happened that, uh, you know, just kind of made me 
Like, it, like there, there's no, for me, there's no defining moment early, at least early on, where I went from, you know, trying to qualify for years to just being qualified for every pro tour. Wow. So, uh, I know people, you know, want to know, et cetera. To be honest, like, I feel like, like the, the one time that I actually noticed a real change, I would say more recently than anything. I would say maybe like in the last three years or so, four years, pretty much just when I, like, like yeah, I've been on the pro tour for years at, at that point, but, um, I never really made it to the top. I was, you know, I was qualified for every pro tour and I, you know, I would hit like gold level, et cetera. But it wasn't until like the last few years that, uh, I kind of stopped uh, stressing so much about whether I won or lost. Cause before that kind of just like consumed me really just because I cared so much and I really wanted to win. And, you know, like I would always get upset, like, or frustrated whenever, you know, draws didn't go my way or, you know, to, to, to put it, I guess, bluntly, like where I get like unlucky. Yeah. But nah, just, um, you know, in the last couple of years, I've definitely started to kind of change my mentality towards, you know, like tilt basically. And yeah, I just realized like, like getting, getting frustrated or getting upset just definitely got in the way of me being able to play the best magic that I could. And, you know, I stopped stressing all the little things like that. And um, even going further than that, like I stopped stressing the the need to, to win. Interesting. Like, for example, um, you know, on the Pro Tour, like we're all playing these Grand Prix and stuff and Pro Points are definitely, you know, that's why we go to the Grand Prix. You know, we want to get these Pro Points so we can help uh, maintain our Pro level or, you know, get, get to the highest level, etc. And um, yeah, I would constantly like be stressed out, like going to a Grand Prix knowing like, hey, I need this many points to have, a, you know, have a good finish and like something, you know, and it's like whenever I, I wouldn't get those points or I wouldn't day two or something, it would always, you know, it, it, it wouldn't feel good. It would it would just be upsetting, stressful. Like it, it stopped becoming fun. You know, it was more like a job and I wasn't, I guess, doing my job or I wasn't, you know, I wasn't doing my job well, I guess. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it just it just felt horrible and. And that was all tied to like my, you know, my emotional reactions to, you know, things like getting unlucky and, and stuff like that. And honestly, like when you, when you always stress, you know, like results and things like that, it, it's easy to just not play your best and overlook mistakes that you didn't even know you were making. I want to say like in the last few years, like changing my mentality has definitely elevated my game and got, and I feel like it's the main reason like that. Plus, you know, the guys that I've gotten to, to meet and work with this last year and a half or so, like I would say those are the two pretty much big reasons why I was able to have the season that I just did and why I'm even going to Worlds in the first place. Yeah, man. Thanks for sharing that. I really hear what you're saying about what you've learned about mindset and a competitive mindset and kind of like making sure you're in like the zone for how you compete and also how you think about the game. You know, uh, Christian, I even wanted to rewind a little bit more. Do you remember your first Pro Tour qualification? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, uh, I was at home. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was uh, playing in a Magic Online PTQ. And it was extended, the extended format. It was maybe like first or second week of uh, January in 2010. And, you know, I played my, one of the decks that I'm known for, which is, uh, I played a Doran Siege Tower deck. And it was, uh, it's basically Abzan, Splashing Blue. I got like Bank Charm in my deck and Metal Image on my sideboard and stuff. And, um, yeah, I, I um, 
I remember like tournament I think started like at noon or something or like 1 p.m. or whatever. It wasn't until some point, you know, late at night, like maybe midnight or 11 p.m. or something. I finally won and I just kind of jumped off my chair and just kind of like laid down on the ground, just like, you know, heart racing, like couldn't believe it really. Wow. Like my entire like Magic Online screen was like popping up with like people messaging me. Up to that point, like I had been trying for a really long time to qualify. Because I like oh four was when I first played in my first Grand Prix, my first qualifier, etc. And it wasn't until the beginning of twenty ten that I got my first invite. So and I had some close calls before, but you know this is the first time that I actually got there. So it was definitely a pretty great feeling to to finally get that invite after trying for as long as I had. That is amazing. And which Pro Tour did you qualify for? Uh, it was a Pro Tour San Juan, which was uh, block constructed. It was like Zendikar block constructed. Wow. So Zendikar, Zendikar World Week and Rise of Eldrazi. And that's the one that uh, Paulo Vitor del Rosa won. His first <laughs> Pro Tour win. That is so cool. Ever since then, you've just done enough well, I guess, at Pro Tours to always requalify. Or did you also have to play in the PTQ system again? Yeah, well, so I have played in PTQ since then. Uh, I actually, like, I, I qualified for the next one uh, via rating back when that was still a thing, like in 2010. Mm-hmm. The, the thing is, back then, still like in the early like 2010s, like you can see we're still allowed to play in PTQs for the flights. Um, it wasn't until like 20, I want to say the end of 2012 or something. Sometime around 2012 was when they started to make it flights. I think it was Dark Ascension was the first Pro Tour that instead of gold players getting a $500 appearance fee, they got a free flight to the Pro Tour. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's when, um, that's when the PTQ stopped, you know. So, yeah, I still played in some before, uh, during that time, but uh, not many, maybe like five or something. But um, there were there were there were a couple of times that I went into a pro tour, not qualified for the next pro tour. I've been fortunate to you know just do well enough to to stay on, and I've been riding that wave ever since San Juan. Wow, that is amazing! You've always just like shown up at the pro tour, ready to compete, thoughtful about the game, with the fire and drive of ever since 2004 when you saw uh, Worlds 2004 and you were like, I'm going to get there. And, uh, <laughs> you know, very recently in Pro Tour Amonkhet, you had a really emotional on-the-floor <laughs> interview with uh, Brian David Marshall. Can you tell us about that? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Pro Tour Amonkhet was the first Pro Tour I top-aided. And um, honestly, it was you know reminiscent of the time that I... That I first qualified. Uh huh. I definitely wasn't as emotional. Like I didn't cry when I won my first PTQ, but uh, when I when I got when I got my first Pro Tour top eight, you know, it was kind of just uh, overwhelming as it sunk in, just because of how long that I've been on the Pro Tour and I've been competing, trying to you know, cause I, like that's the thing, like you know, stressing, you know, stressing results, right? Like you know, we we, we want things that we don't have, and when we when we don't when we don't achieve those things, it can be difficult sometimes. But yeah, like just you know, all the all the games, all the tournaments, you know, that like leading up to then, it's just like been tr- having been trying for so long. It just uh, definitely like uh, my emotions got the best of me, and you know, having my teammates there as well, like cheering me on, and you know, having BDM interview me. Like BDM was you know definitely one of the people who kind of like like he was one of the people I met early on. In my in my competitive years, like PTQ and stuff, because he he used to own the store that that I went to when I was a kid. That's right, Neutral Ground. Yeah, Neutral Ground. He yeah he didn't he didn't by the time that I started playing, he didn't he didn't own it anymore. But he was always there. He was always drafting. You know, I had me like join drafts and with the other guys and like kind of like get better at limited and 
things like that. So it's like he's 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 basically seen me from day one. Wow. You know. Also, like having him there, like being the one to interview me, and you know, he knows he knows like how long how long it took me to get to that point. So <laughs> it was definitely like one of the better moments in my life for sure. I was watching that coverage, and it was like this surreal moment. EDM was really emotional. You were really emotional. Your team was emotional. When it cut back to Rich Hagen, Rich was emotional, and and like the chat <laughs> was going crazy. And it was just like it was really this beautiful moment that everyone in the community in that moment really felt and was present to really what you were feeling. And it's like the history of the game. Your dedication, your love, your passion for the game. I mean, you're a leader, you're a thinker in the community. You're like a pillar, you're a voice. I mean, all of that really just came to a head in that moment. And just like this broad realization of just really the magnitude of what you had accomplished of like your own personal history. And it's just incredibly satisfying. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, t- I totally agree. It was um, it was incredible, really. Like, I saw I saw a lot of the reaction. Like, I saw people were talking about it on Reddit and everything. And you know, it was definitely like all the support was even more overwhelming than than the actual moment. I feel, you know, I, I didn't really know like how big the reaction was. Like, like, my phone was going crazy for like literally hours on end. Like, it took me it took me like two days to you know really like get through all the messages and all that stuff. And yeah, it was crazy. And um. I'm I'm excited to finally got to play on that stage because I always, you know, I always thought about it. Like I always thought about like, man, like I just want to know what it's like to, you know, play on Sunday. I want to, I want to know like that feeling to like get my name called down. Like, like when they announced the top eight, you know, because after being at so many pro tours, basically the way, you know, on Saturday, once, once the last wish runner is over, like everyone gathers around the, the, like the feature match area. And, you know, one by one, like they announce everyone who, who top aided. And, you know, like that was my thing. Amonke was my 27th Pro Tour or 26th or 27th Pro Tour. So, like, after, you know, witnessing that so many times, like, there's definitely been multiple times where I always thought to myself, like, will I ever get there? You know, will my name ever be, be called up to play on Sunday? Yeah, it was great. And, you know, even after, even once it was over, I was just incredibly happy and just, motivated to get back there again, you know? It took you a while to get to yourself onto the Pro Tour, but once you were on the Pro Tour, you were basically a mainstay. And then when I really think about the bulk of your Magic career, you've really cut your teeth with competitive Magic playing on the Pro Tour. I mean, you've just had just such high-level competition and such high-level learning throughout this entire Magic career of yours. I can't say I, I was ever like super big on testing in general, I definitely like I always prepare for events um, like for the pro tours, especially like it was after a couple of years on the pro tour that I was able to start to, you know, form teams and like, you know, actually attend the pro tour, like with time in advance and like get a house with like other players and tests and everything. But yeah, like at least up to that point, like my progression has always come through, through tournaments, you know, just through playing against like competition and, you know, like playing in the Grand Prix and everything and I mean, that, that's definitely clear, clearly like the more like the better players you play and the more that you play, you will, you know, you will eventually start to, to get better. So I don't know, every time, every time like I play against the best, like I always, I'm always excited just because I know that, um, I know that no matter what, like I, I, I can't, you know, I can't possibly win unless I play my best, you know, that's, that's the, that's the way, that's the way I feel. Like when I, when I get paired against like a Luis Scott Vargas or a Paulo Vitor or Dama Rosa, you know, those guys like, 
I know that like I have to play my best if I if I if I want to win, and it just you know that it always kind of like allowed me to level up in a sense, you know. Who are some of your favorite players to play against? I I basically know just about everyone. You know, I always like see people at tournaments, like because I've also you know having traveled to not only like all the pro tours in the last like you know seven years, but also traveling to Grand Prix like all over all over the world, like Asia, Europe, etc. Like I not only like have gotten to meet like the, the the top pro players or whatever, but I've also met like. You know, the, the, the guys who may not be at the top right now, but are definitely, you know, good players in their own right and, you know, qualify for pro tours, like have definitely qualified for multiple pro tours, etc. So, you know, every time every time I, I sit across like someone that, you know, that I've met before like that I, or that I know or I've heard of before, like, you know, I'm, 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 I'm always excited just because I, I, I'm always looking forward to playing against like the players that I've seen or have heard of before, you know. Just, but um, but definitely when it comes to like the top pros, like those are the people I want. I I always look forward to playing against, just because you know the way I see it, they're they're much better than I am. But uh, that's not to say that I can't beat them, you know. Because I I remember before my first pro tour, I was kind of you know I was definitely like a little nervous. And I remember I beat Adam Yurchik in round one, and he was. He's definitely one of the top pros at the time. That's when I kind of realized, like, hey, you know, like I can win. You know, I can do this. I can beat these guys. Like, you know, we're just we're all just magic players. Yeah. You know, it it kind of made like even though I I ended up not day two in that pro tour, I left thinking like, you know, like I I can I can get back here for sure. I got back, so. <laughs> that is so cool. Well, right now, I know that you are furiously preparing for Worlds. You know, without <laughs> without talking too much about your preparation and the technology that you're putting into it, what are some of your thoughts for, you know, how Worlds is going to go? You know, any predictions? Like, what do you think is going to happen? <laughs> Honestly, I have no idea. <laughs> I, I mean, I've gotten to play, like, a little bit of standard. Not much, though. Only, only like, in the last couple of days. But, um... You know, I'm I'm just I'm mostly excited to draft because limit is how I've been able to stay qualified. Just because like most like my best results are unlimited. Like uh, like most of my Grand Prix top eights are limited, and you know my my like limited has allowed me to like, has propelled me to like do well at the Pro Tours. So that's what I'm mostly looking forward to. And you know, obviously the set's not out yet, so I I haven't been able to draft at all yet. But that's kind of what I'm looking forward to the most right now because it comes out uh in a few days. Right after the pre-release, like uh, it goes live online, and I assume that's where I'll I'll be doing the majority of my drafts, if not all of them. Yeah, just uh, I guess it kind of depends how that goes because even for this last pro tour, I didn't really do very well in limited. I went three and three. That was my 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 worst uh, limited performance of the season. And um, yeah, like I, I guess I didn't really get the format up until maybe like a week or two after the pro tour. That happens sometimes for me, like. I don't always like figure out the format. Like being in a group of like highly skilled players, we're all just kind of like gathering our own ideas and sharing that information, coming to some kind of consensus as to what we what we think is you know the way to go, etc. And we don't always agree on everything, uh, which is fine. But um, you know that that's how you get better. You 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 hear out what the what other people think, and you know if they think if they think differently than you, then you should try and figure out why that is. I ended up like figuring things out after, you know, after the pro tour, but um hopefully for this one that's not the case and, you know, I I only have about want to say a week's worth of time to figure out the draft format, but I'll definitely be drafting as much as I can and as far as constructed goes, you know, same thing really cuz the thing is uh the Grand Prix, there's a Grand Prix the week before, which is in Providence, so I'll be at that. 
I can't say that like I'm confident or anything, but I'm de- I'm definitely not uh I'm definitely not worried though. I don't really have many expectations. I just know that I have to figure out the draft format, figure out a good deck, and then just play the best I can. There's always the topic from players is like, how do you get better? Christian, from your standpoint, and also at your level of play, what are some things that you are looking out for in your preparation? The way I go about limited is, you know, first I try and get a feel for how good cards are. Like all these sets are different, like you know, different mechanics, etc. But you can easily identify like what's good and what's bad mm-hmm. per se. But um, so I focus more on what's bad because the way I see it once. So once people come to some kind of consensus as to, you know, what cards they think are good, what cards they think are bad, then, you know, that that becomes uh, in a way becomes exploitable. Because if the consensus is that, for example, like in Amaket, if the consensus is that Slither Blade is bad, then how can we make Slither Blade good? You know what I'm saying? Hmm, interesting. So basically, I, I, I'd like to look for the cards that people seemingly write off or are uninterested in. And then I try and figure out, okay, in what world can this card be good? You know, like what, what, what needs to happen? What cards do I have to draft? Like what, what deck does this card have a home in? Once I figure that out, I feel like I kind of have a... I guess you could say I have an edge in the format because people are going to not be valuing these cards very highly. So therefore, I'm going to be getting these cards later than but like I can I can count on them being uh, getting them like later in the packs and then just end up having like better decks that I that I that I understand well. Wow, that is so cool. It's almost like, you know, at a high level, everyone knows how to play the cards and everyone knows how to play the game. And then it becomes more of this meta game when you're really playing each other. You're playing the competitors and you're playing the field of competitors. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then as far, as far as constructed though, like constructed is definitely not what I'm good at at all, but, um, <laughs> you know, I, you know, obviously I have a lot of, a lot of teammates who are good at constructed. When it comes to constructed, I'm, I'm more of a, so I'm just, I'm just like more of a play tester. Like I just like play the games and things like for pro tours is different than like Grand Prix and Star City Opens, et cetera, just because, um, like the format has already been defined. Mm-hmm. So there's much less work to do. Whereas like, you know, before a tournament like Worlds, we don't know anything. Clearly like going into this new format, right? Everyone, you know, is talking about mono red and teamer energy just because those two decks pretty much don't lose much at all. So those are definitely the two those are the two decks that like people are, are probably gonna be focusing on going into, you know, the first week of standard. I know there's a Star City open in a week or so, but um yeah, I'm, I, I can't say that um, you know, I'll definitely be uh, paying attention to what happens next week there. That definitely will have uh, some impact on how, uh, like, what, what decks people bring to Worlds in a couple weeks. But um, playtesting the matchups, like, what metagame you expect, and and then, you know, just being prepared for what you think is going to be played. Because that's kind of, that's just what it is, really. Like, it's, like, constructed, it just comes down to matchups. So interesting. If you think that certain matchups are going to be played, then that should decide, like, at least what deck you play and what side of cards you have. What was it for Amonkhet? We expected Martyr Vehicles to be the most played deck. So most of us play zombies. It's like the majority of us play zombies and a few of us play Mardu. And then Mardu ended up being the most played deck. So we ended up, like, most of us did pretty well with zombies at that Pro Tour. And Christian, I wanted to ask you, what advice do you have for players that are new to Magic or novice players looking to improve? Yeah, um, yeah. obviously, I guess it, it just all really depends what they're trying to get out of the game. 
Um, you know, like obviously if they if they're trying to make it to the pro tour, then, you know, I guess all I can really offer as advice is, you know, try and find other people who have the same goals in mind and uh, you know, just work with them on getting better, um, you know, play testing, uh, you know, traveling together. That's kind of what got me going, you know, like just like getting to meet new people. And it's like, hey, you know, like, hey, there's this tournament going on this weekend. Do you want to go? Yeah, I want to go. Yeah, let's go together. Yeah, let's let's room together, you know, et cetera. Like, yeah, so definitely networking is a is definitely a big deal. Like I, I've often thought about like, man, what would I do if I if if. You know, I, I had to like go to a tournament alone and try and like figure everything out on my own. And honestly, like, I don't really know what I would do. <laughs> so I'm very thankful for like all the friends that I have and that I've made. But, um, yeah, it's like, it's hard, it's hard to do it on your own. And it definitely helps to have uh, friends along the way to get better. Really establishing a network of people, people that you like want to spend time with and want to improve with that yeah. have the same goals. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, you know, that's, that's a lot. That's part of the reason also why, what kept me going too. Like, you know, I look forward to seeing, you know, all the people that I've met, like through all my, my travels and everything. Christian, I also wanted to ask you, what do you think is missing from the Magic the Gathering community right now? Honestly, like, I just feel like, uh, sorry, it's hard, it's hard, for, it's hard for me to say this because, you know, it can just be seen as something that, like, I want for personal gain. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I definitely feel like uh, the Pro Tours and the Grand Prix circuit, I definitely feel like price support is uh is definitely an issue just because um at least like the way magic used to be or like the way magic was um like portrayed it was like you know play the game see the world etc and uh yeah like for me the magic dream was always uh becoming a magic pro and like having that be my life you know like basically you know travel city to city and like pretty much like making a living off playing a game that definitely was something that i was interested in it feels a lot less like work, you know, just because you're having fun and you're making you're making a name for yourself and, you know, you're winning all these tournaments, etc. Like, there definitely are people that are able to like, like magic is just like that's all they do. Like, their main income is magic. But there definitely aren't many. I, mm-hmm. I can't say I know for sure how many there are, but I'd be shocked if there were like maybe even 50 people. Like they're probably less than 50 people that do that. But um, I just think like, you know, compared to other games, like the price support is... It's definitely lacking in pro magic. And, you know, we often hear about like, you know, all these tournaments, like, like all the tournaments are, are getting big and game makes a lot of money, et cetera. But pretty much like price support has more or less stayed the same, like throughout, throughout all the years, like especially like the pro tour, like the, like the price support has, 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 has not increased like since I play the game. I want to say I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure like since my first pro tour seven years ago or whatever, the price support has never changed. If I'm not, hmm. if I'm not mistaken there. Would that benefit me? Of course it would. But I think it would also benefit the game in general just because, um, you know, like a lot of the people who play now, like they're mostly, you know, they're mostly older players. And it, it's definitely become harder for someone like me to you know continue traveling to all these events just because, you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, it's definitely an expensive an expensive adventure, uh, you know, to like playing Grand Prix all over the world, etc. And while, you know, I definitely enjoyed every, you know, all the trips I've had and I'm definitely looking forward to all the trips that I will have. Like, you know, I know that nowadays, like I can't play as much as I used to, you know, just because um, there's a lot, of, a lot of things in life that I have to start to focus on. I mean, I, I used to play like 20 plus Grand Prix a year. Wow. And all the pro tours so <laughs> i definitely can't do that anymore but yeah like you know these trips are expensive you know like hotels you know flights etc so yeah i just feel i just feel like in general i think that that price support 
needs to go up just because like I remember even as early as 2011 Grand Prix like the entry fee was like $35 and like now the entry fee is like 85 you know like yeah. that's how we've seen we've seen them as high as 100 and like even in some foreign places like some foreign countries like depending you know depending on where like it can even be over that it would be like 100 120 or something so pretty much like all the costs have gone up but the price support has stayed the same for as big as the game has gotten from when I started playing, you know, you would think that, you know, the price support would have would have gotten higher since then. Yeah. Okay, we're going to have more from Christian coming up in a little bit. But first, a word from our sponsors. Hey, Christian, you've got some uh, special gifts for us. Could you tell us what they are? Uh, yes. Yeah, so at Worlds, you know, as you know, we're going to be drafting and the cards are stamped, etc. So I'll be signing some of the cards that I drafted and send them out to you guys, as well as uh, my pro player card that I'll be getting after the first Pro Tour. I can sign those as well and send them out to you. That's super sweet. And uh, listeners, if you want to get these special gifts from Christian, go to patreon.com slash kitchen table magic. And if you sign up for one of our higher rewards levels, you will have access to some of these cool gifts. So thanks so much, Christian. Yeah, no problem. Kitchen Table Magic is brought to you by the generous support of listeners like you. In the last three seasons, the show has been downloaded over 100,000 times and has reached the far corners of the world. Thank you so much for listening to the show. As you know, I give out gifts, little mementos from my interviews to my Patreon supporters. If you'd like to receive signed cards and other cool things, become a supporter at patreon.com slash kitchen table magic. Thank you so much. This episode of Kitchen Table Magic was brought to you by Paragon City Games. The Kitchen Table Magic podcast has been all about the origins of the game and members of the community. And as a community, we've come a long way since the game first started. Apart from the kitchen table, the only other places in your local community to play Magic are at local game stores. And that's why places like Paragon City Games is so important for our community. At Paragon City Games, you'll find a spacious and clean showroom with lots of elbow room for magic events. You'll find thoughtful accessories like die-hard metal dice and handcrafted wooden boxes. You'll find a huge supply of legacy, modern, and standard staples, sealed product, and tabletop games. It's places like Paragon City Games that allow local communities to gather in. And if you can't make it there in person, please be sure to watch their weekly stream at twitch.tv slash paragoncitygames. Remember to spread the love with a like on Facebook and a follow on Twitter for Paragon City Games. They also have great online reviews and that shows their commitment to excellent customer service for their player community. This episode of Kitchen Table Magic is brought to you by Card Kingdom. Cardkingdom.com is a great place to shop for Magic the Gathering singles, sealed product, pre-constructed decks, and gaming accessories. They have a huge selection of singles, from the latest sets to an ever-flowing supply of modern and legacy staples. Card Kingdom also loves to buy Magic cards. They'll offer you cash or in-store credit for your Magic singles. And if you're new to Magic, you'll love playing any one of the 36 new pre-constructed battle decks built by Card Kingdom. Sign up for Card Kingdom's email newsletter to receive coupon codes and deck techs by Magic Pro Chris Van Meter. You'll get access to Card Kingdom's private reserve, which are special deals for chase rares at significantly discounted prices. Card Kingdom has so much to offer, so I hope you'll check them out. And if you'd like to support Kitchen Table Magic when shopping at Card Kingdom, please use our affiliate link. Just go to cardkingdom.com/ktm. Okay, and we are back. 
Christian, I have some rapid fire questions for you. Are you ready? Let's go. Okay. Christian, rapid fire question number one. Of the five colors of magic, white, blue, black, red, and green, what's your favorite color and why? Blue because it's the best. <laughs> okay. Okay. It's just the best. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and- counter spells, counter spells, draw spells, bounce spells. Yeah, it's just... I love it. I love it. Tempo cards and all that stuff. Okay. And if you were to pair blue with another color or another combination of colors, what would they be? Uh, Blue, black, and blue, red. Ooh, very nice. Very nice. Very nice. Blue, black, because, you know, I guess I'm a control player at heart. And blue, red, because it allows me to play aggro as well as control. So... I love it. I love it. Okay, okay. Christian, rapid fire question number two. If you could change something about Magic the Gathering, what would it be? I guess I would have uh, at least one all-draft pro tour a season because I never got to play any of them and they look super awesome and I love drafts. So. Ah, that's cool. Okay, an all-draft pro tour. Yeah, they used to have them uh, circa 2010, I would say. And um, yeah, I never got to qualify for one of them, which makes me sad, but yeah, uh, at least they still have drafts on the Pro Tour, so I still get to do that. But, you know, I've always seen the coverage of them, and they just seem super awesome. Christian, rapid fire question number three. If you could give something to every Magic player, what would it be? I would definitely love to see um, Magic, like, get to reach, like, other other parts of the world. I know, like, not every part of the world, like, has access to Magic like we do here in the States. Um, and even, you know, like, like there, there are obviously, like, uh, places where it's it's hard to, it's hard for the game to be accessible. But, uh, you know, I I just, I would love to see more people have the chance to get to play. So you would give every Magic player the opportunity to play Magic? Yeah, if I could. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome, awesome. Okay, okay. Christian, rapid fire question number four. What do you see in the future of Magic the Gathering? Like, I I would love to still be playing Magic 10 years from now, 15 years from now. You know, pretty much Magic is definitely going to be a part of my life forever. And, you know, I would just love to see the game, like, like I would love to see the future of it be bigger and more successful. Yeah, um, the thing, the thing is, like, it is, is that what I see happening? I can't say, I can't say for, for certain, but, um, it's definitely what I hope happens. Okay, cool, cool. You just want the game to continue to grow and also be more mainstream so that it's there in 10, 15, 20 years from now. Yeah, I mean, it's already come this far, right? 25 years coming up and, um. You know, it's still here. Who knew? You know, who knew that uh, back in 93 that uh, people would still be playing it to the magnitude that is played now. So I would love to see, you know, because it's like back then when people played was no one thought that magic would be where it is now. So I would love to see 25 years from now have that be like, you know, like people who played people who play now, like in 25 years and be like, wow, like I remember when magic, you know used to be like, you know, 10 million people. Now it's like 100 million people or something, you know, something like that. And last, Christian, do you have any asks or requests of the listening audience, like where they can find you on social media? Um, yeah, I'm uh, at C. Calcano on Twitter. That's where you can find me, you know, tweeting mostly just magic things in general. Yeah, that's where you can follow my, my tournament updates and stuff and, you know, any articles that I may be writing. Christian, I just really wanted to thank you for taking the time to be here today. The community really is happy for like all of your success and like your journey playing Magic. Really, it takes a lot of heart, takes a lot of courage. I've said this a lot to many people. I really think that you embody this as well. Really giving it your all, connecting with the people that you've had in your life and connecting with your team to really like achieve something that's like near and dear to your heart and then like sharing that so openly with the community. I really appreciated that because I think you've also really inspired a lot 
of other people. Like you may not know this, but there are people out there who saw your dedication. It's just like wow. So I really wanted to thank you, Christian. I appreciate all the kind words and you know all the support that I've gotten from people. And yeah, I hope I do hope that um you know I can inspire others to to want to pursue the game in any fashion. Really, you know, it doesn't have to be the pro tour. I know that like I got I definitely got a uh, inspiration from you know players back th- back in the day as well. You know. If I, if I can do the same for others, that'd be great. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Christian Calcano. Go say hi to him on Twitter at ccalcano. That's C C A L C A N O. He's also on Facebook.com/calcano. I'll have all of the links in the show notes at kitchentablemagic.org. And if you see Christian at a GP, be sure to tell him you listened to his interview on KTM. Thanks everyone for listening to this week's show. I want to take a moment to thank all of my Patreon supporters: Brian, Marcus, James L, Alex, Trevor, Caitlin, Mark, Aaron M, Neil, James G, Aaron C, Jonathan, Corey, Chad, Logan, The Magic Man, Sam, Jesse, Ben, Nick, Eternal Dirtles, Matthias, Charlie, Grant, Scryfall, Matt, Ian, Prescovi, Ryan, and Carl. Listeners, if you'd like to get special gifts from my interviews, become a supporter at Patreon.com/KitchenTableMagic. Your financial contribution goes to making the show better and keeps it running by helping to pay for audio equipment, software, and server costs. And now that I've partnered with Card Kingdom, there's a new way to support the show. When you shop at Card Kingdom, just use my affiliate link, CardKingdom.com/KTM. A big thank you again to all of my Patreon supporters, past, present, and future. Your support of Kitchen Table Magic allows me to share stories about the amazing people in the Magic: The Gathering community with the world. If you haven't heard already, I've created a new YouTube channel called Play MTG. It's an upbeat, fast-paced YouTube channel featuring deck techs from the pros, learn-to-play tutorials, level-up advice, card discussion, community news, and more. Just go to youtube.com/c/playmtg. Special thanks to Dev for the shoutout on his YouTube channel that helped me get a bunch of new subscribers. I really appreciate your support, Dev. Follow the channel on Twitter at play underscore mtg. It's also on Facebook at facebook.com slash play mtg, all one word. I'm looking forward to creating new content, and I've got some collaborations and new videos in the works. Be sure to subscribe to Kitchen Table Magic on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Hipsters of the Coast, and mtgcast.com. Follow the show on Twitter at KTM Podcast. The show is on Facebook.com/slash/KitchenTableMagicPodcast. All of the show notes are at KitchenTableMagic.org. If you're new to the show, there's plenty of past episodes to listen to, and please be sure to share KTM with a friend. Coming up on the next episode of Kitchen Table Magic. The advice really is that there's no shortcuts, right? No one would enjoy the competitive side of the game, and there wouldn't really be professionals if anyone could do it. So it it really just took like a lot of time and commitment. A lot of people say that, but I think a big part is sacrifice too. So if you really want to be, you know, a pro at the game, you have to sacrifice something. In college, actually, you know, it wasn't great, but you know, some of my grades took a hit, and it ended up that being that I didn't really like the major I was in. I was in engineering I ended up switching to math and magic was kind of my escape you know I had to take a sacrifice in that department and you know I didn't really get involved or anything and not that I regret it but it's just a fact of life that you can't be a pro at this game and you know also have you know a multifaceted life outside of it too it, it kind of has to become part of you I'm talking to platinum pro Donald Smith Jr 
Get this, Donald started playing when Theros was released, and somehow in three years turned himself into a platinum pro and got an invite to Worlds 2017. I don't even know what to say. This guy is a ridiculous grinder and recently joined Wizards R&D. Seriously Wizards, why do you have to take every good player from us? Good thing I interviewed Donald before he became hashtag Watsy staff. Join me and Donald Smith Jr. as we talk about his rocket trajectory into the platinum elite of Magic Pros, all on the next episode of Kitchen Table Magic. 